Welcome to Faith Community Church of Indianapolis. We pray that you are blessed by this message from Pastor John Roberts. To learn more about Faith Community Church, please visit us at FCCIndianapolis.com. Let's go back and let's let's start in verse one, and we're gonna I'm gonna read down through the end of verse four, and then we're gonna jump into verse three in detail. Verse one says, "Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That There's just, wow, there's so much. Let's go back, because we're going we're gonna to see this theme in verse 3 and 4. Paul says in verse 1, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Everything that Paul writes, he writes from the standpoint that this is not me doing this, this is God doing this. He never comes at life or his theology from the sense that I'm doing God's work. He always comes from it from the standpoint of God has called me to this work, and I'm just hanging on for dear life. Um, it's 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 the call. It's not now. Paul was special. I, my own personal opinion, and you can take it or leave it. I think if if you could have, and they didn't do any of this back then, but if you could measure Paul's IQ, I have no doubt Paul was probably genius level or higher. Uh, he was just a very smart man. But even more than being smart, because I, I, I had I, I had someone in our family that was a um, a professional bank robber, and he spent the vast majority of his adult life in Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary and died there as a habitual criminal. And his mother used to say, my aunt used to say, um, I don't understand it. He's so smart. And I heard, overheard my mother telling my dad one time, or maybe my dad told my mom, I don't remember which way it went, but it's like, you know, penitentiaries are full of smart people. Intelligence is not the answer to life's problems. Having a revelation of Christ and having a revelation of who you are in Christ, that will change your life. But just being smart and just being educated, I know a lot of guys that are educated. I hung around with them, you know, people that have degree after degree. And some of them are dumb as a box of rocks. They have no common sense. They have no morals. They have no ethics. And they, their education is useless because they're not following the will of God. And that was Paul's heart, to follow the will of God. But in the same way, the second part of that first verse, he said, this, everything I'm going to write is to you. Now, in the original transcript, the oldest ones don't say who are in Ephesus. It just says, to the saints and faithful in Christ Jesus. Which tells me this is written to me as much as it is to anyone. As much as it was to the Ephesians. And then in verse 2, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He makes 
God the Father and God the Son, clearly here they're co-equal. He puts them on the same plane. But he also says, together they are giving you grace and peace. And I, the grace is the power of God to live life. Peace, I said it in the last couple of lessons, my picture of peace is, is the, the, the father of the prodigal son says he saw him a far, a, a far distance away and he ran to him. That's God's peace. He, God is not, if you have a problem in the world, it's not God that's your problem. And I'll be honest with you, I lived that for a long time, thinking God's mad at me, all the problems that I'm having, it's God's doing. And to be honest with you, the worst part was I thought that because a lot of Christians communicated that to me. And when I found out it was a lie, I was an angry fellow. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I was really ticked off. And, and But it, it, in, in some ways it was good because it also it gave me the impetus to go and find the truth. And part of it was my own fault because I had no idea what the Bible said. I was ignorant of the Word. And let's face it, if you're ignorant of the Word, then you're, you're, um, the devil will steal your lunch. But then we get to verse 3, which is what we want to focus in on tonight. He starts this very first phrase here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The whole theme of this verse is blessed. And, and it's the same, it's, 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 they're, they're different forms of the same Greek word. Uh, that first word there, blessed, is the Greek word euglidos, which is where we get our, our word for eulogy. It's made up of the word lego, which means to speak, and the, the prefix eu, which I'm not sure, you, I guess, which means good. So it means really, it's speaking about someone's reputation. It means to speak well of someone. And there is another word, and, and I want to go back there. If you're there in Ephesians, go back real quick to uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 3 through 12, because these are the Beatitudes, and they also use this word blessed. But it's a different, different Greek word. In, in Matthew 5, they use the other primary word that mean, that gets translated blessed, and it's um, makarios, which means to be happy, to be prosperous. And it really speaks of your character. So it's, there are nine different things, traits here, that, that um, Jesus identifies as character traits that will describe the person that's blessed. And I want to read through these, and I, I, but I want, to, I want us to notice that in every one of them, He'll tell you why you're blessed, or who is blessed, and then He'll tell you why they're blessed. So in every case, there is a reason that these people are prosperous. There's a reason that they are happy. It's because they have done the right actions. There is a, a, a standing of being blessed that's a result of our actions, a result of our lifestyle. And he goes through those. Um, verse 3, I'm, I'm in Matthew 5. What does Beatitudes mean? A Beatitude is a supreme blessed, blessedness, an exalted happiness. So basically it means to be happy and prosperous too. 
So it means to, I guess, that, that the, the easy translation is it means to be blessed. Um, but let's look at these. Let's start in verse 3. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's, there's always a, a, a condition and then a reward for that. And part of the, the, the prosperity and the happiness comes from you have this condition. You are poor in spirit. You're going to have walk in the kingdom of heaven. You mourn. You're going to be comforted. You're meek. You're going to inherit the earth. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're going to be filled with righteousness. Verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, and this is the one that I think fits for our day and time more than anything anywhere else. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. That's the key right there. Falsely for my sake. He said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All of those things are, are traits that we should have, hopefully. You know, we may be challenged to walk in them full time. But it's, it's more of the principle of sowing and reaping. You sow the right things, you're going to get the benefits, and you're going to be prosperous and, and righteous. But this other word, eulogitas, talking about God's blessed, that God is blessed, that's the first one, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's talking about God's reputation. And God's reputation is good, not because He's done anything, although He has done some stuff, but it's good because of His nature. And because of that, it's his, his, the fact that He's blessed is His reputation is good because He is good. He is love. He is goodness incarnate. But because of that, we should, our reaction, and this is part of the theme, one of the themes that Paul hits over and over again in this letter to the church at Ephesus, is that we need to praise Him. Praise needs to continually be on our lips. Why? Because of who He is. Now, it, it's easy to praise God when things are just, and they're clicking, you know, I, when I was, um, we were talking about that, my old Vega. Um, when I was driving that old Vega, I was, man, I was in school. I had, I had planned out ju just enough money. I had scrimped and saved and worked. And I could go back to school, and I had just enough money to pay my tuition and survive for 12 months. But I'm telling you, when I did my student teaching, I was at the end of that 12 months. I mean, I was coming up the end, and I hadn't calculated real great, and 
<laughs> I didn't. We didn't hardly have a pot to pee in. I mean, we were broke. I was running up debts left and right, and then it's like, well, if I run them up, how am I ever going to pay them off? But I was bound determined I was going to get, I was going to finish my degree. I worked and sweated for six years, you know, gone to school full-time, part-time, worked my way through, borrowed some money. But I was, things got rough. Well, even in the midst of that, I should have been able to praise God because he, I found a way through. Now, at the time, I was such a heathen. That was the least thing on my mind. But even today, it becomes harder to find things to praise and, and bless God when life is hard. But it's the key to getting through those hard times is learning to bless it. And my, my proof of that is, is in James. James 1, 2, and 3. We, we all know that scripture. And it's a hard one. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's an accounting term. It means you, you look at your circumstances and your circumstances say misery plus misery and your lightning fast mind says double misery. But what James says is you look at your circumstances and misery plus misery equals joy. Now, you got to do it by faith. But one of the things, verse 3, says why it, it really does help. Because knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And patience, when it has its perfect work, produces all kinds of good things. But it's, it's, it's never easy because your emotions will want to run the wrong way. It's just never easy to run counter. When your emotions push you one way and you try to consciously walk the other way, until you have practiced that for many years, that is a difficult task. In my estimation, that's probably the most difficult task for almost any human being to do. And I think the proof of the pudding right now is look at all of these kids and, and not some not-so-kids that are out on the street protesting the presidential election. Because it was a shock. Because all of the pundits, all of the uh, opinion poll writers, they all got it wrong. And so, you know, the people that lost, their side lost, first of all, they were too invested in who was going to be president. But their emotions are just going crazy, and they have no idea how to control their emotions. So they're going out in there, and they're screaming, and they're yelling, and they're tearing stuff up, and they're just, they're, they're miserable. And at the end of the day, no, I'll change a thing. Correct. Come January, whatever, 20-something, Donald Trump's going to take the oath of office and become our president. Like him, hate him. It's not going to change, and it's a perfect example of why we need to bless God despite our circumstances. And in fact, the worse our circumstances get, the more we need to praise Him. And I want to this. I rarely do this because I don't. There, to me, it's a sign of lazy teacher when you just quote a lot of scriptures. But for this one, I want us to to look at this. And I just went through. Psalms, all of the Psalms, 
and I, I, I used the New King James Version, and I looked up where in Psalms it says, bless the Lord. And there are, I didn't actually count them, there are like 30 or 40 times where that phrase is used. And I just want to read through these. And if you want to write them down, I, it might be good to go back and, and look at them later. But the first one is in Psalm 16, 7. It says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I, I, I bless the Lord. There's one of the reasons I can bless Him. He shows me things to come. He is constantly trying to direct me. Psalm 18, 46 as the Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. We, we can exalt Jesus and the Father because Jesus is alive. He is the rock. He's the rock that followed um, Israel through the wilderness. He provided water when they were dying of thirst. He, he is the living water. That can come out of our bellies even now because of that. Because he lives, there's hope for me. So I can bless the Lord over that. Psalm 26, 12. My foot stands in an even place. In the congregations, I will bless the Lord. No matter where I am, and I, 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 I don't like heights, even movies. When I watch movies and somebody's, you know, up high on a cliff... I have to turn my head because it gives me a creepy feeling. I just don't like being up. I, when I walk into balconies that have a big atrium, or not balconies, but hotels that have a giant atrium, I don't like. I don't really want to stay in there because just to walk, I want to walk right up next to the door. And I know it's perfectly safe. My head says it's safe, but I, 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 I just get a queasy feeling when I can look over that edge and it's a hundred or two hundred foot drop. Well, I, this verse makes me think about, and I forget where it was. it was. I think it was somewhere in the um, either the former Soviet Union or somewhere in Eastern Europe, where they had this huge dam, and the concrete was sort of subpar. So, if you look at our dams, like the Hoover Dam, the surface is fairly smooth. Well, this dam the concrete had peeled away from the fill, so there were, there were little stones sticking out. But they're not sticking out. Some of them maybe two or three inches, some of them an inch. And there is a herd of goats that climbs up and down this sheer dam. Yeah. And I watched that and it's like, yeah. man, this is crazy. That's the picture I get from Psalm 26, 12. My foot is in an even place. When I'm sitting on the edge of a cliff and one slip from me and I'm gone, I'm going to fall down to my death, Jesus says, I'll give you a place to hang on. You've always got to have the place to hang on. And, and it reminds me of, of a story that I've heard from several different people. When, um, before the Hindenburg burned in the 30s, there were a lot of dirigibles um, and even after that, there, we still use blimps a lot. The Navy uses blimps. You know, Goodyear uses one to film pretty much every NFL football game uh, going. But they're, they're very prone to get sucked up in the air if there's a lot of wind. They, they don't do well in high winds. 
And there was a time when, and I don't remember if this was a dirigible or a blimp, but they had a bunch of guys on ropes and big gust of wind came up and it sucked this thing up two or 300 feet just like that. The smart guys let go immediately. But a few of them tried to hang on, but after four, five, six minutes, some of them lost their grip and they fell and either died or were severely injured. But there was one guy who just hung on and hung on and hung on. And everybody's thinking, man, this guy's got to have superhuman strength. And when they finally got the dirigible down, what they realized was he had enough sense, he wrapped the, the rope around his wrist so it couldn't slip, and he reached with his other hand and made a loop in the rope and stuck his foot in it. So he was just standing and letting the, the, the rope bear his weight. So it wasn't hard for him to hang on. That's what God wants to do for that. And because of that, I can bless the Lord. Even when things look horrible, God will make a way. And then Psalm 28, 6 says, Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. I have times when nobody knows the trouble I seed. You know, that old Negro spiritual. Well, there are times when nobody cares to listen. Everybody's got their own problems. You know, I, I, I said to one of the um, older people in our congregation, I always ask them how they're doing. Well, I guess I'm okay. I just feel old. <laughs> I think, well, you are. <laughs> but then they also say, but I guess I can't complain. And, and I've told them a few times, well, you can. It's just nobody really cares. And, and even when I complain, nobody really cares about my complaints. Now, you know, if, if they're a real mature Christian, they may say, I'll pray for that. I'll pray over that need. But God always hears. His ear is always inclined to our supplications. And he's always got an answer for us. Sometimes I don't want to hear that answer because sometimes that answer is just, you know, straighten up, fly right, as my dad used to say. And it's kind of hard to do in, in certain circumstances. But then Psalm 31, 21, Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. That in a strong city is means I'm in a place that there's there's danger all around. Um, there's walls. You know, I think of, of Jericho when the children of Israel went into excuse me, went into the promised land. There was no way in naturally speaking they were going to conquer that city. No one had ever been able to penetrate those walls. And God knocked them down flat. So he's on my side. When I've got a battle to fight, not mine to fight. It's his to fight. It's just mine to believe him to do that. Then Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all time. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That doesn't say I will bless the Lord in the good times. It says at all times. There again, it's not easy during the hard times. But that's when I have to make the most effort. In Psalm 41, 13, uh, Blessed be the God of Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. That's the same thought that we see here in Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the Lord. 
he's the Lord God of Israel and he just deserves to be blessed and to be praised because of who he is despite what he does now it's easier for me to do that when I know he's done things and is doing things but he just deserves to be to be blessed and to be praised for what he is who he is and in Psalm 68 19 blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits the God of our salvation, Selah. Think about it. That's what Selah means. Just take a minute and think about that. I love that verse. Who daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation. Man, if I'm not getting blessed, it's not because God's not trying to bless me. Now, you know, I've screwed up more than most. And I've had hardship more than most. But despite all of it, God is He's brought me through. Got a lot of scars to show for some of my screw-ups. But still, um, he has always been faithful. And then verse 26 of Psalm 68. Bless God in the congregations, the Lord from the fountain of Israel. We need to bless him everywhere and at all times. And then Psalm 96, 2. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Then this is probably one of my favorite scriptures. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 20 through 22. So verse 1 and 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. I, in blessing him, it helps me to put myself in remembrance of those benefits. Now, verse 3 goes on to say, he's healed all my diseases. He's, he's forgiven all of my sins. That pretty well covers everything right there. If, I, if I'm sinless and healed, most everything else going to work out. But I bless him either way. And then verse 20 of Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Now that is an important concept right there. Angels heed the verse, the voice of God's word. So when I confess a scripture, when I go to a verse and I say, Lord, you promised right here, Go to Psalm 103.3. You said right here that not only am I forgiven, but I'm healed. That gives his angels permission to act in my behalf. Now, we, we need to be careful and not, not over-exalt the angels because, you know, um, I'm going to use them as much as I can. But I also have to realize that if the devil fights through every angel in the world and comes stands toe-to-toe with me, I still have authority over him, and I still have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, and I have nothing to fear. But it's nice to know that there are angelic beings out there working on my behalf to bring his word into fruition for me. And then verse 21 says, Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, you ministers of His, who do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works. In all places of His dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's just, 
It's there everywhere I look. Bless God. That's, that's part of what He's called us to do. But then Psalm 104.1, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. And then 104.35, May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Now, I think verse 35 is referring to the, the, come, the second coming, the Lion of Judah. And, um, you know, he is manifesting himself as the Lamb of God. But there is coming a time when he's going to manifest himself as the Lion of Judah. And I don't want to be on the opposite side of that. Because um, he's not going to be gentle when that happens. But for us, we can bless the Lord because we're not. When, when we stand before the white throne judgment, there are going to be goats and there's going to be sheep. And if we're in the sheep, it's the goats that are going to get cast into outer darkness. And then Psalm 115, 18. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. You know, I... I um, I've been in some worship services where, you know, not only did they have top quality musicians, but they had an anointing. You know, you can have you can have mediocre musicians with a an anointing, and it's great. But when you pair up great musicians with a a very good anointing, you don't want to leave. You get caught up and it, it just, you don't realize that time is going by. That, that's going to be, that's going to be eternity for us. Yeah. Now, I don't think we're just going to sit in a, you know, we're, we're not going to sit in a, and have praise and worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I believe we're going to have jobs to do and a life to live. But in everything we do, we're going to be praising the Lord. And then um, Psalm 134, verse 1 through 3. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. Now that's talking about the, the, the um, temple attendants, but we have to keep in mind in our case, we live in the temple of the Holy Ghost. So he's, that applies to us too. Psalm 135, 19 through 21. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. That, he just goes through the names there because he hits everybody. I mean, that last qualifier, you who fear the Lord, that, that includes anybody, especially all Christians. Um, the last two are Psalm 144.1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. We can, we, we've got a lot of fights to fight. And I'll be honest with you, as the days get closer to His coming, you know, I look at, at the, the verse in Esther... You were raised up for such a time as this. I don't think it's by accident that God's got us here on the earth during this time. He chose us to be part of this 
end-time army. But it's not going to be easy. But He, He is our rock. He's the firm thing I can stand on. And He trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Now, that's not literal battle with people. Uh, one of the things I, I saw through this election, because I'm on Facebook a lot because I'm there with the church's website, or not website, but the church's Facebook page. And there were times there when, you know, I was a very, very reluctant Trump supporter. And for me, the only issue came down to abortion. I just couldn't. He was anti-abortion, and that, that swayed me. But he really wasn't my pick. Out of the 23 people that ran on both sides, he was probably 17. <laughs> I had at least 16 or 17 people that I would have rather had before him. But I really, it, it, it got to the point where I had, I had to just turn it off for a couple of days because my flesh was wanting to get engaged and I just wanted to get in there and argue with people. But I can't do that. I can't, you know, that's not my warfare. My warfare is not against people and there were a lot of people, especially on the other side, who weren't Trump supporters, that they're just freaking out. And they're hateful, they're, they're saying mean things, and, and they don't care. They're just, they're lashing out at people left and right. And a lot of friendships are getting hurt. And I just realized that, look, my, this is not where my fight is. If I, if I engage in this battle, I'm gonna lose some friends. And so I think it was, um, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. The movie was um, War Games. But at the end, they were, they were, you know, they were trying to train this computer to not launch nuclear missiles. Right. And he finally, since it was a learning computer, the, the last conclusion he came to was strange game. The only winning move is to not play. And that line had just that just burned into my brain. Into my brain, there are some fights that people want to f pick with you. That the only winning move is just don't engage. Mm -hmm. Just don't answer. Leave it alone. Walk away. Uh, because when when you come right down to it, my fight is not with the person. My fight is with the spirit that's driving them. And a lot of times, it's not really animosity. And for most of the people that were Hillary supporters or, you know, the Libertarian or the Green Party candidate, whoever, there were a lot of other minor candidates, they are genuinely frightened right now. I, I personally, I don't understand why they're frightened. I think our government's got enough checks and balances that we can, they will balance out Trump's um, wilder side. I pray they do. And I know there's going to be a lot of Christians on their knees. I think a lot of Christians hit their knees and got him elected. And I think there better be even more Christians hitting their knees to keep him steady in the office. But my fight is not to fight with someone that's frightened because frightened people do stupid things. My, 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 fight is with the spirit that's trying to terrify people and preach peace to them and preach to them that you know there's there is a better way 
And then the last one I've got is Psalm 145, verse 21. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless His holy name forever and ever. Um, it's, it's part of our calling is to bless God in every situation. Um, Paul said in, in one of his epistles, I think it was to, um, in his letter to Titus, he said, let praise continually be on my lips. Give thanks in all things or in all circumstances. Doesn't mean to give thanks for your circumstances, but in the midst of lousy circumstances, we can still give thanks because we've got an answer. I may not know it yet, but I do have an answer. Now, let me, um, let me finish up this little section on praising and then we're gonna, I'm gonna quit maybe a little early because if I get started on this next section, it'll take me another 45 minutes to finish. That scripture in Hebrews about the ministering spirits and angels is Hebrews 114. 114, Hebrews 114, okay. Um, going back to Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. First thing we, we need to see is he's talking about God, the Father, as being a father to Jesus. So that tells me that we're dealing with Jesus' humanity rather than his deity in this case. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not God, but it's the human side of him that, that Paul is emphasizing here. But notice what the Father of Jesus did for us. And, and part of this is in um, Romans chapter 8. Um, verse 15 through 17. Um, let me just read this. He said, For he did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So the Father of Jesus, the man Jesus, is also our Father. And it says that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified with Him. So what the Father of Jesus did was when he blessed Jesus, he also blessed us because we are in Christ. He says right there, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We are joint heirs of his because we're in him. And if we're in him, what belongs to him belongs to us. Now, the, when it talks about here the spiritual blessings, it's not, um, it's not the opposition of spiritual versus physical. Um, it's more speaking of spiritual in the sense that the source of all these is the Holy Spirit and God the Father. Because some of the spiritual blessings will manifest themselves as physical blessings. Um, it's just part of it. Let me read um, a couple of verses. These, this is from the message 
Ephesians 1.3. And I'm careful with some of the paraphrases like the message, but this one just expresses the thought so well. The message says, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. I like that. He's, he takes us to the high places. Ephesians 2.6, we're seated with him in heavenly places. God blesses us with every spiritual blessing because he takes us to where Jesus is, inserts us into him, and as we're one with him, everything that he has now becomes ours. New Living Translation of that, oh, excuse me, says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. I love that last phrase. Because we're united with Him. That's why we have the right to all those blessings. And it, it, I said this a few weeks ago on, and on a Sunday morning. Um, I heard Alistair Begg say this. They were having a panel discussion. And they asked, you know, why do... If, if Christians are forgiven of sins and they're empowered not to sin, why do Christians sin so much? And basically, he talked for a while, and in, in talking, he, he just stopped and he said, well, I've, I really didn't have the answer when I, talk, when I started this, but God just, I, I have the answer now. And he said, basically, the problem is you don't have a revelation of who you are in Christ. If we knew who we were, what being united with Christ literally meant for us, sin would be much less. In fact, I think sin wouldn't be a problem. Um, but I'll be honest with you, it's, it takes work to get that revelation. You know, it's kind of like the thing people will say every once in a while about uh, very rich and successful businessmen. Well, he was just lucky. He was in the right place at the right time. Well, there may sometimes be a little of that, but I've also noticed that successful people get really lucky, but they also are working 80, 90 hours a week very effectively. So, you know, sometimes your luck is where you make your luck, and, and it, it's really not luck. It's just the result of working very hard and pursuing something. Well, we can't dictate to God when he's going to give us a revelation, but I can tell you, you can't get a revelation of the word if you don't pursue the word. So pursuing the word, it's why I've said before, we've got those little booklets out on the welcome desk out there in Christ. And Brother Hagen wrote it years ago, and it's just scriptures tell you who you are in Christ. And I, you, you, I've warned a couple of those out. They're just, that's something you can just go through that and read it and read it and read it. And as you keep feeding yourself on those thoughts and those verses about who you are in Christ, at some point, it's going to be, wow, I've read that scripture many times, but I've never seen that like that. You'll start getting a revelation. And then when you get a revelation, it's easier 
to stand against the wiles of the devil and against the, the circumstances that are just, you know, treating you badly, to say the least. Amen? Thank you so much for joining us. If this message has blessed you today, we invite you to visit us in person at Faith Community Church or online at FCCIndianapolis.com.